Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with singer-songwriter Sandra McCracken about worshiping the Lord together in the context of corporate worship. We talk about what worship is and what it isn't, and ultimately, that it's not about us. Listen to what she said. The whole point of worship is to lift, to see the beauty of God and to lift Him up and to give Him that. Like, He just says, will you come do this? And so we say yes. Like, that's kind of all it is. (laughs) That's why we go to church, you know, because he's He's worthy of that. Man, I know you guys are going to love this conversation with Sandra. And let me just say, I think you're going to find yourself longing to worship the Lord alongside your brothers and sisters as soon as possible. So you'll know Sandra a little better. Her contributions as a songwriter, modern-day hymn writer, and record producer have brought grace and clarity to her soulful folk gospel sound. She's had songs recorded by, let me just name a few here, All Sons and Daughters, ABC's Grey's Anatomy, Audrey Assad, and she's been a guest writer for She Reads Truth, The Gospel Coalition, Christianity Today, Need I Say More?, All right, let's jump into my conversation with Sandra McCracken on the topic of corporate worship. Sandra, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. It's such an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. It's good to be with you. Well, if people don't know who you are, which I I just, I can't imagine, Sandra, (laughs) because number one, we have a playlist. It's called the Journey Women Jams playlist. And I'm pretty sure um, about half of the music is yours. (laughs) So if you don't know who she is, but you listen to Journey Women Jams, then you probably do, but you may not have noticed. Anyways, you should stop right now and actually go listen to a couple of tracks. I'm going to tell you my favorite songs, uh, Sandra, that you've done. I am in love with the Trinity song. Oh, thanks. And then my favorite hymn that you've done is Thy Mercy, Thy God. I've been Mm -hmm. listening to that one for years. You did that one a long time ago, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've been listening to that since like college. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, you are a singer. You're a songwriter. You do a lot of different creative things. You actually have a podcast called Steadfast as well. So people should check that out. But It's a joy to get to have you on the show just to talk about corporate worship today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. That song, man, 
Thy Mercy was like, I guess the lyrics were written in the late 18th century. And I think sometimes those themes that we follow and that follow us through our lives, it's kind of good to look back and say, oh my gosh, I've been singing this for 20 years. And yet it's been in existence as a text for much longer, which is encouraging. And you do that a lot. Like a lot of what you do is hymns. And then you're also kind of a modern day hymn writer. Would you consider yourself to be a modern day hymn writer? That's the way I encapsulate it. Well, I guess I would say I've studied that form, you know, like uh-huh. studied those old hymns and I'm drawn to the richness of them. And I think in our modern context that there's there's an ongoing need for rich theology in plain language, but in a way that tells the story like a wider emotional range, you know, or a, a, a wider narrative that we can actually relate to in our lives. And I think that's why I like the hymns so much. So I've probably learned a lot from the hymns, studied the hymns, and then written some some intentionally and some by accident. <laughs> Do you have a favorite that you've done? Maybe one that you sing that has been written prior to, and then also one that you've written? That's a hard question. I mean, I think it changes for me. I think, I think my favorite thing in this kind of work is that the songs kind of, they will surprise me. So there'll yeah. be something that I need to hear at a moment. And I haven't, done that song in a while or it just hits me in a new way or I've just shared or heard somebody's story and that song resonates with the story. So I would say, I mean, songs like We Will Feast in the House of Zion, that is like, it comes up and it continues to kind of renew itself by way of people's stories as I travel around. So that's that's one that has stayed with me. And then as far as the you know, the old hymns, I think hymns like Be Thou My Vision or Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, those are not ones I've written new tunes for, but they're those kind of folk melodies that help us to find our way back to the lyric and to continue to ask God for vision and to continue to look to Him to be the source of our life and our abundance, like come thou found of every blessing. So those are some favorites. You have to know how much it blesses those of us who get to sing along with you who don't actually have the gift of song. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I'm so glad. It's a joy. I have had two and a four-year-old, both little girls. They love to sing. Mm-hmm. We were listening to you on the way to the dentist this morning. And it's amazing. Like you mentioned, we will feast in the house of Zion. Just to hear a two and a four-year-old, I like need to encapsulate that for you and just text it to you or something because Please to hear do. their voices singing, mm-hmm. we will, I'm not going to sing. Uh, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me cry. I wept on the way to the dentist this morning. You know, one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about today is the experience of corporate worship. And you travel and you, you know, lead worship in a myriad of contexts, I know. So could you kind of help us along just to understand, like, what is corporate worship and just any thoughts that you have just on worship in general when we come together and we do that as a community? Yeah, it's... um it's a tradition that goes back a long way, and it's kind of funny because it's not something that we see in culture very much otherwise, right? So that you might have like, there's so much individualism in our in our modern context, in our Western context. And so as our lives are more and more fractured into these small spaces or into our own phones or into, you know. So true. I think it brings up... Um, just an increase in awareness that we need to gather together to say the things that we believe and to, I mean, I've heard, I've heard some people call it like having our sanity restored because we kind of Mm. run around all week and we're trying to 
you know, pay the bills and we're trying to take care of um, the needs of our kids and our neighbors and our and our jobs. And and yet there's something that work is meaningful, right? That is valuable. And at the same time, if it's not coming up out of this place of our identity being secure in who we are in Christ and what we believe, then it makes it feel life feel pretty thin. You know, it's like, well, why do we do any of this if there's not a sense of our hearts being uh, one and cared for by God himself? And so when we come to do that together, there's a sense that we are, we recognize we're not alone in it and because God asks us to do it. So there's a sense that I think the Sunday rhythms, like the weekly rhythms, the gathering together to confess and sing and take communion, like all of that is so, it's so important for us. It's like, I mean, it's really like sustenance for life in in the world. Yeah. So, and I think it, it binds us both to God and to each other, which is the basic core of Christianity is like, Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor, right? (laughs) So, and I think that one of the ways he's given us is like, come to church. And and it's not just a thing that your grandparents did. Like, this is a thing that we need because we continue to find ourselves back in these rhythms of forgetfulness every week. Mm, I could not agree with that more. I hear you saying that remembrance is a goal, like remembering together, worshiping together. What is our aim and our goal when we're gathering together to worship in a community of believers, like to do that collectively? Like if if you could just encapsulate, like what would the goal be? I would probably reflect back on James K.A. Smith's writings in a book called Desiring the Kingdom. He has a, a trilogy of books, but he has one where he talks about our practice of worship is what we're doing is we're actually shaping our affections. So mm. the the things that we do in our bodies and in our voices and in our hands, like all what we do throughout the week matters. And when we gather, we do all these things the same. So we stand and we sit and we recite a creed or we there's a baptism or there's like all the things that are happening in a Sunday service are meant to renew our affections and put them back where they belong, like so that they're not out there on consumerism or on, you know, productivity or Mm -hmm. on like taking care of everything we think we're in control of. It's like, oh no, God is in control. And even just my kneeling at this portion in the service reminds me that I am, I need to be humbled to remember that. So the embodiment of worship is like, is shaping, it's meant to shape our affections and to realign it with what's true and what's eternal and what really matters. And I think it's so mysterious because you're not thinking about that all the time. Like you just go and participate in it. It's not like every experience is this mystic experience. It's like sometimes you have like a wave of understanding or a wave of affection or a wave of gratitude. Other times you just go and you just sing the songs and that's okay. You know, the Lord is he is perfectly able to to meet us no matter where we are when we come in. But the practice of it is is what we're invited into so that we would be realigned with Him and with each other. Mm-hmm. Man, I got to tell you, this morning I had one of those times just in the Word by myself where you're just mm-hmm. kind of going through the motions. I'm reading through a, a yearly Bible reading plan. It's something, it's kind of a liturgy that I've done every year since college. And I'm in one of those phases right now where I'm pregnant. 
and I have two toddlers and Mm. I'm real tired and I'm in the (laughs) word and I'm like, man, God, would you stir my heart for you? Would you stir my heart for your word? Because it's just feeling rote. It's feeling routine. Um, And we're definitely going to talk about that here in a second. But what I want to address is we talk about worship a lot. My husband's in the military, so we've moved a ton. I know you also live in kind of like a transient city. Mm. There's a lot of people coming in, a lot of people moving. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those of us who are looking for churches and things like that, sometimes it can can be a part of the conversation like, well, you know, we we went here, but we didn't really like the the style or the music here. You know, like when people are attending church, one of the things they notice is like, did that fit with like my style? Did that resonate with me? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on just like preferences going into choosing a church or maybe we're at a mm-hmm. church right now uh, where we don't really jive with the style of the worship. <laughs> yeah. How can we kind of push back against our preferences when they're getting in the way of our participation in worship itself? As you prepare for the summer, we want to share a unique way to introduce your non-believing friends to a local church, Skylark. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you need to know about Skylark Summer Camp for your kids or as a means to supplement evangelism. Skylark partners with gospel-centric churches to provide summer camps as a means of child care. By meeting parents' needs for summer child care for kids having completed kindergarten through fifth grade, Skylark positions the local church to meet the spiritual needs of their community. They offer gospel-rich curriculum that is new each day of their summer camp. Kids can attend for one week, a few weeks, or all 11 weeks. Choose from one of their four locations offering a full summer program in Dallas, Plano, Allen, and Mansfield. The cost is $325 a week, but you can use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off every single week. What? Head on over to campskylark.com to learn more. That's C-A-M-P-S-K-Y-L-A-R-K.com and use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off. Oh, that's a great question and probably unanswerable in terms of our cultural blind spots (laughs) because we're always (laughs) going to have things that we want things the way we want them. Um, But I do think the practice of gathering with other people is messy. And so there are going to be imperfections. There are going to be things you don't like. And sometimes when there's something you don't like, it just means you are gifted to see it and help be a part of the change, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to, to like say, oh man, we really need this for our kids ministry. Or or I, I noticed these people are left out um, every week. Like mm. what does it mean to be hospitable? Um, and hospitality is not just for the people that pass out the bulletins like hospitality right. is all of us that we that we extend the welcome of God because we have been welcomed and so it might mean uh gosh it could mean so many different things but thinking about how we can how we can be part of it and how we can contribute to the church or the community that we have been planted in and i would say maybe one distinction that might be helpful is like maybe asking the question of the difference between preferences and conscience. Like if there's something that you feel like is um, a matter of conscience in your, in the place where you worship, where it's like, okay, every time this happens, I feel like this is not in line with what's in scripture. Mm -hmm. Or I feel like this stirs something in, 
And just asking the questions, why? Because sometimes we have reactions to things that are just because of something in our story and they need to be healed and they need to be brought into the light. But other times there's a matter of conscience and it's like, okay, that's not the place for you. Like if you guys have major differences in the theological viewpoints of the church, like it can be peaceful to say, hey, I disagree with you on this. I care for you. And it may not be best for us to continue to worship here. Like that, there is plenty of space for those kind of things, but that's a different Mm -hmm. thing. Conscience is a different thing than preference and preferences. I mean, I really think um, there's a writer, Richard Rohr, that talks about suffering as the places where we feel like we don't have any control. Like, Mm -hmm. so, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like, Mm. If you're just suffering because you want things the way you want them, then maybe this is where where the the Lord has you and this is okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's a tricky thing to talk about broadly, but I do think like seeking the counsel of some people that you trust and seeking, definitely seeking that in scripture and in prayer and um, finding the place for you and sticking it out as much as you can, unless there's a matter of conscience. Right. Maybe there will be some differences here theologically, but maybe we could get down into the weeds a little bit and talk about what are some biblical kind of non-negotiables. Like you're talking about, um, you know, we have the preferences and then we also Mm -hmm. have these biblical mandates of like what should corporate worship actually look like. So do you have some biblical non-negotiables when it comes to a corporate worship gathering or things that we ought to look out for if we're like in that context? Yeah. Um, I mean, I certainly have, I've certainly thought a lot about those things. I would, um, I don't always talk about it, um, broadly because I know people are coming from so many different places, but I would say, um, the preaching of the word is really central to, like, I really care a lot about that. Um, and I, I also have a high view of, um, of the table of communion. So, um, how that's handled, how often it's handled, how those are things I care about and would pay attention to if I were choosing a church. Mm-hmm. Like, do they, is there communion every week? Mm-hmm. What's it like? Is it just like casual free mm-hmm. for all? Or is it like, we are saying this is the table of the Lord and mm-hmm. it's a serious thing. And, and like that really matters to me, which doesn't mean we come to the table because we're already like, obviously we need that every time and we need forgiveness, but I do think having a high regard for it um, is important to me in a church context. And and that even is true when I'm traveling around. I think there's mm. sometimes when that's done really so casually, I, I see that it's beautiful and it's a community thing, but I sometimes feel like mixed feelings because I was mm-hmm. brought, you mm-hmm. know, I kind of came around from a theological vantage point that it's, it's high stakes, you know, like we're doing mm-hmm. a thing that's like, mm-hmm. this is... <laughs> We are representing um, the death and resurrection of Christ mm. by this action. So that's one thing that I think is so important in worship. And then the reading of Scripture, I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture, that it's like, it's good, like start to finish. And mm-hmm. there are a lot of things that we don't understand about it. But that doesn't mean that everybody in my church community aligns with me on that, you know? So that can, I could sit next to somebody that doesn't believe that or that believes it's more you know, it has a looser view of that. Mm-hmm. But for me, the inerrancy of scripture is another aspect of like what I would choose if I were looking for a community. And then from that point, you can have theological d- conversations about what does this mean or what does that mean? But if if you're coming at it from a presupposition that like, 
the word is true, and it's going to teach us rather mm-hmm. than we bringing our own preferences to the scripture. Those feel like a couple of things that are kind of big pillars for mm-hmm. me. Wait, so you're saying, Sandra, that even though you're really specific in your style of music and the, the things that you <laughs> like and enjoy in that regard, like the style of the music isn't quite as important? <laughs> well, no. I mean, I've been to some churches where the mu- I find the music to be like, you know, fine, but not the thing that moves me at all, you know? And I don't know that that's the point. And I think some of that even is coming at it as a songwriter, like the folk tradition where you, where we've sort of lost touch with what it is to sing together or to sit on the front porch or to sit around the campfire. I mean, singing together is not that big of a deal, everybody. (laughs) You know, know. it's like, it's this beautiful human experience that we have made into this like entertainment production that I think if we could just take it down a notch and just remember that this is not about the microphones or the smoke machines. This is about resonating the truths and the, like we were saying, you know, bringing the illumination of the scripture and mm-hmm. our creeds and what we believe, doing that regularly together, like having songs we sing, like it's, that I think to me is the heartbeat of like what worship music is. And the more we can kind of borrow from maybe like, I mean, I think about the music of the civil rights movement in the 60s and and the Mm. way that 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 helps. Like, that's maybe the closest Western cultural example that we have to, like, singing that shapes our ideas and our hearts and our affections. And when we sing those songs, there's still something in that that we get to participate in. The movement of the Spirit, a lot like, shifting us from a place, like, where we need correction. Like, when songs and singing together can help do that, it is... It's a profound thing because it softens our hearts mm-hmm. in a way that debate doesn't have the power to do. For sure. I mean, we've been a member of lots of different churches. Brooks and I have been married for seven years, which, by the way, congratulations. You got married last year, oh, right? thank you. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, so fun. So we've been—it's it's amazing how fast it goes. I feel like I just got married, and we've been in this for seven years, and we've moved—I yeah. think we've moved four or five times in the last seven years. Hello, military life. Oh, my gosh. So we've been members of lots of different churches, and I'm telling you, sometimes— I come to church and me and Brooks will be literally almost side stitching laughing. I'm not going to mention where, <laughs> but because it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the smaller church or um, a church that, yeah. you know, they don't have like a, a worship pastor or somebody who's a professional doing this whole thing. But yeah. it's amazing, Sandra, how the Lord, you know, as we continue to show up and we're prioritizing kind of the things that you mentioned were some of the non-negotiables when it comes to like a corporate worship gathering, like the preaching of the word and and maybe it's too the, the theology of the songs that we're singing. Yeah. But the style, I you know, it may not resonate, but I'm telling you, after right. I go for about six or eight months, I'm not quite so obsessed with it anymore. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. I'm with you. Are there any preferences that we maintain like that that you can think of that actually are negotiable that we might be maybe giving a little bit too much weight or they may be carrying too much weight? when we're coming into a, a, a context and trying to make a decision about where we're actually going to go meet with other believers on a weekly basis? I mean, as I've traveled around a little bit to different churches and different been in different denominations and ways of doing it, I, I think the music is, is definitely the place that people seem to experience the most tension. And it's fascinating to me that it's continuing to be such a big, <laughs> such a big divisive thing. Um, yeah, but I do, I think it's, it has a lot of emphasis and especially in 
in some church contexts, you've got like 30 minutes of music, which is not dissimilar to what you would expect when you go to hear a concert. And then you have all these expectations around, well, okay, I paid a cover. It's like, well, of course you don't pay a cover to go to church, but your expectations are similar if that's if that's where you're coming from culturally. So hmm. trying to break those down. And I think we've, I mean, it's probably different in different parts of the country and in the hmm. world for sure. But where, where you have, there was a movement to do two different services and then there's like the contemporary service and the, Traditional. Um, traditional service. And I think that's I think that's a way of like just catering to our preferences in a yeah. way that's that hurts the the body. The body. Yeah, it hurts the community because you don't really get to know people that aren't just like you. And you don't have to sing songs that, that aren't your favorites. And Marva Dawn, she's got a book she's got a couple books on worship and she um she talks about how if you're in a service and you like every third song, you're probably doing pretty great because somebody next to you likes the other one mm-hmm. and then the person on the other side. I mean, there's a sense that, that we we are putting those things aside. So I do think music is probably, I mean, it, at least it's the one I feel like I've observed um, mm-hmm. the most. And then there, there are other things around like how formal it is or how informal some people really like to dress up to go to church. Some people, I mean, that was probably a debate, right? It's at different points in totally. history. Like, why is that guy wearing long hair? Or like, why is she wearing <laughs> jeans? Like offensive things. And I think when we think of all, when everybody thinks of themselves as like the greeter or the hospitality team, then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, what would I wear in order to make, you know, Joe feel this way? You know, like mm. where I could welcome this elderly couple or where I could welcome this new set of neighbors that have never been to church before. What, whatever that is, like how we dress and how we talk and how we translate what we believe is so important for hospitality. And I think if we're thinking that way, we'll find some of those preferences fall into the background. Um, so we mentioned this, but we all have days where we don't really feel like participating in a worship service, maybe where you don't feel like going to church, um, particularly in the context of like, you know, a lot of other people. I'm an introvert. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some days it's a discipline to get up and go to church. How do our emotions and like what we're experiencing in our everyday life, how do they affect um, our experience of corporate worship? And can you kind of speak to that? I know you've done a lot of um, speaking about this in relation to the Psalms and worship and things like that. I just love to hear any thoughts that you have on how our emotions impact um, our hmm. worship. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, there, I think the emotion, the, the ups and downs of emotion will play into our motivation to go and to show up. I, I think right out of the gate, I would say there's like, you know, we have an enemy that would like to keep us from going. There's, um, I mean, we, you know, and I, I know a lot of us have that experience of, of like being in the car right before church and you have this like really big fight in the family and then you go <laughs> in and you're like, you know, or for me, it, yes. and it's, it's like when I'm traveling and I'm going to, to, um, mm. lead music somewhere, I feel like, man, there is an enemy that wants to keep me from doing this, that yeah. wants to like silence me and make me not totally. able to feel you know, you think about some of Jesus healing in the New Testament and when he would, um, the way that like he would give healing to like the, when he healed Mm -hmm. the blind man and, Mm -hmm. you know, he's like, there's so much going on there. And, and I think 
the opposition that we feel would keep us silent and not able to see and not able to speak and not Mm. able to participate in that. And I think we just need to be aware. We don't need to be paranoid, but we need to be aware that there is an enemy that would keep us. And a lot, for me, a lot of the ways that that's most effective are through my emotions. Like, I don't feel like it, or I'm feeling ashamed about, you know, how I'm dressed, or I'm not quite ready, or whatever, you know. <laughs> and um, all those things like keep us as like restraining. But I think when we move through it and do not let our emotions lead us, and then we also bring them honestly into worship so that we can come into the service and bring everything that we bring and sing through, you know, if you've got hymns in your service, it's even richer because sometimes you will find yourself in verse two and sometimes you'll find yourself in verse four and and these different lines that you can meditate on that will help to um, move some of those emotional roadblocks out of the way and then and then open your heart to hear mm. to be able to confess to be able to hear what you need to hear every mm. week and to be restored to the freedom of the gospel which is available to us every time you know and I think that's um, the Spirit's work in the middle of our emotions is like the invitation and the moving through so that the emotions are not the point, but they are Mm. um, part of of the dialogue there. It's almost like Mm. that's how we come in and, you know, this is what we start talking about. Okay, (laughs) here's how I'm feeling. And we Mm. can start, start the dialogue with the Holy Spirit in those moments through those emotions and then move through it because we are not made of our emotions. Our emotions are not in charge of us. Um, Mm. but the real substance of your identity is, um, is secure and it's not wavering and his love, God's love for us is not wavering. So the emotions start to kind of subside and move out of the way. So in, in a, Mm -hmm. in the arc of a worship service, the idea is you, you walk out with a clearer sense of who you are and who God is and, things kind of realigned and repositioned to where you're able to go and love and serve and do what you're called to do. And, um, and that opposition has been, you know, left in the rearview mirror. Mm, I love that so much. I haven't ever thought about it like that, Sandra. And, you know, as you're talking about emotions and things like that, I'm kind of one who has a tendency to like stiff arm emotions a little bit. I uh-huh. think all, all my male spouses out there know what I'm talking about because there's just <laughs> a lot of feels when your husband's yeah. gone for half of the time. Um, yeah. And, and, um, and yet I do think they're so important to acknowledge, like you mentioned, and then to just kind of like lay them before the Lord. Um, obviously, like, I love how you mentioned that, like, we're moving through them, even as we come together in corporate worship. Same Mm -hmm. thing, really, with our preferences, you know, like... We yeah. sit next to somebody who's who's singing off key, off tune a little, maybe who greeted us in a way that might have offended us, or maybe someone that we're experiencing some level of conflict with. How does yeah. the gospel unite us and enable us to worship together as uh, believers? Yeah, <laughs> even with all of our question. varying preferences, with all of our feelings, with all of our emotions, everything that we bring to the table on a Sunday morning. Yeah, because I think we're sort of, we've been talking about it in terms of that personal, that personal reflection. Like I think of Psalm 42, where the psalmist is saying, like, speaking to his soul, saying, why are you downcast? Like, why are you so sad? You know, put your hope in God. And it says it like over and over. Mm. And I don't know if I fully could give words to the, the, 
corporate aspect of it, like, well, okay, so that's my, if that's my personal experience through my emotion, what does that do for the relationships? Other than to say, when we do that together and when we practice that together, it's different than just practicing that, you know, in a, in our own little reading chair somewhere under the perfect lighting and the perfect setting and the quiet. It's like, we're back in the messiness and there's distraction and there are people that are difficult to love and I'm difficult to love. And, but I think it's transformative. So I think when, when the spirit's working in our hearts and pushing us through there to, to illuminate, to purify us, to make us more who we're supposed to be, like who we really are. It, as that happens, mm-hmm. it affects relationships. So if you happen to be around each other, it's going to affect how you're viewing that person you're already mad at when you go up to take communion or when you're <laughs> sitting beside each other or you're sharing a hymnal. I mean, I know that's kind of a thing of the past, but proverbially you're sharing a hymnal. There is something that softens as it trans- as the Spirit transforms my heart. I'm then released to to make those repairs with others. And you know, if that's hard with the people that we're friends with, it's even more difficult to do that with an enemy or with someone who's not at church with us. But if that transformative power is at work, it has that ripple of like, you know, like Amos, the prophet Amos talks about like justice flowing down. This, um, or Psalm 133 talks about it, like Aaron's beard, the oil Mm. of blessing that rolls down from his shoulders, down his beard and all the way down to the bottom of his robes. And then the mountains and the dew, and it rolls down the hills, which is like fertility and harvest and nourishment and flourishing. So these images of, they begin with God's blessing like from start to finish, they're God's blessing, but they run all over us, you know, and they, they, um, so as that work is happening, I think corporately it makes change, you know, it makes change in our communities. It brings healing because as we are changed, we are able to love others. Totally. I think I'm confronted with my sin, like you're mentioning, you know, when I'm sitting next to a brother that maybe rubs and just causes like friction, um, yeah. which let's be real. Everybody has that, right? It's not just me. <laughs> sure. Um, but I love, as you were talking, the Lord brought to mind this verse from Romans. Um, I'm studying Romans right now, so maybe that's why. Yeah. You know, the one that says, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father Mm. of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what's so funny is you've been talking about hospitality. Then it says in verse seven, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And I'm like, dang, I just think that's such a potent picture. You know, when we set aside our preferences, we set aside our, you know, and and honestly, we Mm. repent of our sin and collect look our face to Jesus. It's like, whoa, yeah. what what a glorious thing that takes place and and what an act of worship. And uh, yeah. what, what, a, what a picture to an onlooking world of what it looks like to come to set aside ourselves and to come together as a body to worship um, yeah. the God and Savior of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just, man, you're getting me fired up to go to church on Sunday, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> well, and hearing you talk about that and read that scripture, it I would hate to have this conversation and have it be so focused on like self-identity and confession and not say that the whole point of worship is to lift, to see the beauty of God and to lift him up and to give him that, which is exactly what you're saying. And I, I think all the things we've kind of said are, are sort of peripheral to that, that he is worthy to be praised Mm -hmm. and that like he just says, will you come do this? And so we say, yes, like that's kind of all it is. (laughs) That's why we go to church, you know? 
and because he's worth he's worthy of that and uh he's worthy of our time so and our affections yeah do you have any encouragement for somebody who's like maybe just in a season where they're like i've just been really uh disenchanted maybe with going to church or with with even like connecting and and fellowshipping with other believers in community do you have any encouragement for her hmm well that I don't actually know where the scripture is, but when I think Jesus is talking about, you know, if, if anybody has a need, um, come and ask, and I'm not going to give a stone instead of bread, like that he has the provision that we need. And that even in the mm-hmm. mess of like, oh, well, I've been I, like, even in the messiness of relation, br- relational brokenness or, or, um, emotional barriers or the things that would keep us from coming to church, I think that when we have a need like that and we can kind of just confess to him, okay, I need this. I need to get there. I need your help. And just keep saying that all the way to you get to the yes. door. <laughs> yes. Know? Just, just like, and if you need to ask somebody else, like have somebody else, that image of carrying somebody's mat, like sometimes you need somebody to carry you there and lower you down, like go with oh, a friend. I love that. Find somebody that would like have a donut beforehand. So you're like, you know what? I don't want to go to church, but I want to go eat a donut. <laughs> and so that's, that's your gateway and whatever it takes to just like go through the motions of it because it's not that the emotions are going to earn you something with God. It's that right. the practice of embodiment, like showing up for it, is um, is just like the it's the participation. You know, uh-huh. it's the way that we open the door, and then um, He's already there, ready to receive us. So it's an act of obedience, mm-hmm. and I think the Lord blesses that, and and that's been true of of my life. I look back on my life and there hadn't always been times. I'm telling you, I hadn't felt, felt very unfit to step into church in certain seasons yeah. of my life. Yeah. And yet as difficult as it can be, it's also been exponentially more uh, beneficial and, mm-hmm. and it's blessed me tremendously. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any resources that you'd recommend for somebody who wants to develop a better understanding of corporate worship or maybe who just, you know, when I say understanding, I don't necessarily mean like knowledge, <laughs> um, yeah. maybe the experience of it itself. Do you have any resources you'd recommend? That's a good question. A couple we've talked about. One was um, James K.A. Smith's book, mm-hmm. Desiring the Kingdom, and okay. he has a couple others around that same theme. Uh, I think he has one called You Are What You Love, and that was a that's kind mm-hmm. of a retelling of the same thing, a little bit less academic. Both are really great. And then Marva Dawn, she has a book called A Royal Waste of Time, and mm. there's one by David Taylor for the beauty of the church. There's so many good ones, but those three come to mind off off the top of my head. Are you passionate about like learning about this because you kind of, in a sense, like facilitate this type of thing, or how did that come about? How did you become interested in this? <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's just... I think I've come to realize how important it is and I'm thankful for that. And it's given so such a shape to my life, not just because this is what I know I'm going to be doing on Sunday mornings, but I think there are just rhythms that are built into us. And just like the four seasons or just like knowing what it feels like on a Sunday mm-hmm. to hit reset and to say like, let's start over. I think we need the renewal of it. And so I am motivated to care about it because I really, I'm aware of my own need of it. Well, I'm really grateful. I'm telling you, you're one of my simple Thank joys. You. And that's <laughs> another so that's much. another question that I ask every guest who comes on the show is, oh, yeah. 
What are three of your simple joys? The the liturgy, uh, I, I can tell that's one of your just liturgy and, and, and rhythms and things like that, just from having known you at a distance. <laughs> but I'd love to hear from you. What are three of your simple joys? Um. Well, then these could be like any kind of thing. It can be anything you want. It can be your coffee creamer or okay, it can be... Okay, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like a good cup of English tea with Ooh. honey and milk. And and I really love it when it's in like a china cup. And yes. I just think it tastes better. So a cup of tea, that would be one. A walk in the woods would be mm-hmm. another one. I think there's just the sense of taking a deep breath and being outside. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, I do. I mean, I, I love liturgies. I think... As far as simple joys, I think um, the third one I would say um, is the ocean. I think that mm. like m- my feet in the ocean are being able to just the wildness of it. And those, you know, two of those are like natural elements, but I mm-hmm. feel like they're so unchanging. And mm. yeah, it's that like opens me up to wonder and to creativity and to just all the good things. Man, that's good. You know, you're standing there with your feet in the ocean or you're walking through the woods. It's the same thing over and over. The cup of tea, it's the same thing over and over. And yet every single (laughs) time it brings delight in a different different type of way. Yeah. That's really fun. That's true. Thank you. Well, tell me this. Who is it? that's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus. This is something that I like to talk about because the Journey Women podcast we were talking just before we started is was really born out of me wanting to share these influential kind of people who have spoken into my personal life um, and who've encouraged me on my journey to glorify God. And so it's just fun to get to hear from you guys as you influence us. Who is it that's influenced you? Man, that's a great question. I mean, probably on a relational level, I would say my mom teaching me scripture from such a young age was a huge gift. That gives me chills as a mom. I'm like, oh, man, it's so it's so important. And she knew and valued it as important. And um, in the ups and downs of relationship, like there is no trading that kind of gift Mm -hmm. from one person to another. And it doesn't have to be a kid like your own kid. I think just like Man, so true. The richness of that. Um, and um, so really thankful. That's such a, a great thing for me to hear and be reminded of because I think some so many times as moms, we think that we need to like set aside the time to like, you know, worship yeah. and to be with the Lord. And it's just such a cool thing when we get to welcome our kids into that experience, which really should be like, we're talking about corporate worship today, but really like we're worshiping God all day, everything, every day and everything that we do and say. And so to welcome them along in that and to yeah. invite them to be a part of that, man, it's almost like a little corporate mini worship in our own homes. Yeah, it's so true. I, I mean, a couple of years ago, I started collaborating with a couple with some friends mm-hmm. to do rain for roots these songs for kids scripture songs for kids that's on our journey women kids playlist oh good it's kind of born out of that um and i think they work man they work for me too because i think those reminders of like just simple truth um are the easiest most digestible way to experience like God's love in an everyday yes. context. I was not expecting to grow in my theology in this season of a par- <laughs> as a parent because I, I literally yeah. had people say to me, Sandra, that 
you know, when I was in college and stuff like that, like soak it up, you know, get as much as you can, like time in the word yeah. and study and stuff like that. Because when you have kids, you're not going to have time. But man, just the simple things of like reviewing uh, catechisms and doing things like you, what, like you mentioned, listening yeah. to Rain for Roots, Seeds Family Worship. Family Worship, yeah. Um, you know, all of those different things. You're right. It's like it, it anchors me in the basics. And it's, I feel like I've yeah. grown exponentially. Plus the fact that I also have the potent opportunity to set aside my preferences on a minute to minute basis. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Uh, so yeah, it's been a joy. And you know what else I wanted to mention is I didn't know you were one of the founders of Indelible Grace, which I just oh, yeah. <laughs> absolutely love. That's that's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean that's like you mentioned some of the old hymns. That was yeah. um, a real a real neat thing to be able to like partner with Kevin Twitt and some other friends as I was in college and just after college, we did a lot of hymn singing with just acoustic guitars. And, um, and that was really formative. And I think it gave us, uh, all this, it, it's kind of like we were talking about before. It gives you this shared catalog of songs that you can draw from and rest in and borrow from when you need to borrow somebody else's words. So that's been, I've loved being a part of that. It's really, really cool. Another frequent on the Journey Women James playlist. And I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm going to try someday, God willing, to get to a concert, hopefully where you and Thank Caroline you. Cobb, who's been, she's been on the show yes. too. We talked about the big story of the Bible. It was like way back in the 20s. But I was just absolutely kicking myself that I couldn't be there when you guys were together in Dallas oh, a couple man. of weeks ago. But, you know, if you ever, I, I'm not, it's not going to happen anytime soon. I already checked your, your list to see if there's anything, but I would have been the huge pregnant woman and just like oh, busting it out there. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, we'll try to make that happen. It would be really fun. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for joining us on the show. It's been a joy. It's my pleasure. Thank you. One thing I noticed about Sandra as we talked is just her humility. Y'all, I caught myself thinking, I want to be like that. Lord, work in us a humility like that that could only come by the power of your spirit and grant us a desire to worship you in spirit and truth alongside our brothers and sisters in the context of corporate worship. Man, there's so much there. If you want to continue hearing from Sandra, head over to the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com where you can find out how to connect with her on social media as well as all the details on our conversation. And if you want to connect with us throughout the week, head over to at journeywomenpodcast on Instagram or Facebook. So you'll know this episode was edited by Chris Mann and the Pod Shaper team. Super grateful for them. Hey, it's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week. Bye.